Welcome to the Awfully Soft Dad Beard Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Lane. Our guest today is Chelsea Rowland, a licensed professional counselor who has been working with children, adolescents, adults, and families since 2016 through her counseling practice, Rowland Professional Counseling, LLC, located in Harrison, Michigan. She received her Master of Arts degree from Central Michigan University and received training and supervision at the Human Development Clinic at Central Michigan University as well. She also holds a bachelor's degree in psychology with a minor in family studies, also from Central Michigan University. Chelsea's training and experience includes human development, sexuality, marriage, and family relations, as well as trauma and EMDR, which stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. I've known Chelsea and her husband, Derek, for many years. They have two children, Jensen and Harper. Thank you for joining me, Chelsea. For the sake of time, I'm just going to jump into the questions. Um, In the last episode of the podcast, both Chris Dodd and I kind of revealed to the world that we both really didn't have... Um, good role models growing up for how to be a good father. So my first question is, how might the absence of a father influence a child's self-esteem, identity development, and sense of belonging if they don't have that? Right. Um, I mean, it has a huge impact on their self-esteem and self-belonging. There were some studies I read that just kind of continued to use that word abandonment. You know, they, they typically feel abandoned by a father if they choose, they feel like they're choosing not to be in their life. Um, but I think so many children feel, well, what's wrong with me, right? Like I must be bad or I must have done something wrong. And those types of beliefs really shape the way that we view ourselves. Um, so therefore that impacts our negative or our self-esteem in such a negative way. Yeah, that's, that's, um, you know, I kind of identify with that because my, my dad was never around. Um, in the case of like somebody whose dad is around, but like completely disengaged, Mm -hmm. what effect does that have on the kids? Is it similar or is it, is it completely different because they're there? They're just not mentally available. Right. I do think it can be similar. I I mean, I see a mix of both with clients that I work with. You know, in our area, we do have a lot of children who are living in foster care or, you know, guardianship of grandparents or something like that. So for whatever circumstances, you know, their fathers are not in the picture. Then I also see a lot of children and adults who had dads who were there, you know, working and providing financially. But when it came to knowing like what they're doing in school or going to their sporting events or just being engaged in their lives, um, there wasn't much of that. And I think it has the same feeling of, am I not lovable? Am I not good enough? You know, these core beliefs about ourselves are shaped so early um, in our development with these relationships that are closest to us. So I also think too, that for those fathers who are in the home, but not as engaged, you know, we are learning how to feel loved. So if our love language is, you know, not acts of service, for example, and we need those words of affirmation and we're not getting it, dad can feel like they're doing what they're supposed to be as a dad and that their family should feel loved. But, um, you know, sometimes that doesn't match up to what a child needs. Do you think that comes from like a sense of like a classic gender role that like in the 1940s, 50s and 60s, that was the dad's job, right? That was sole provider, bring home the bacon type of thing. Is that something that you see as like a transition from what a dad used to be to what the modern dad is? Is that like a side effect of that? 
You know, sometimes I do think so. And I, I'm sure it depends on family of origin for dads too, right? If that's what their dad did, then that's what they're used to seeing and knowing. And still to this day, fathers typically tend to work more, whereas mothers are still working, but they're also home. So there's already sort of an imbalance of traditional workload. Um, and I think because dads are maybe working more, they feel like that's their biggest responsibility in their role as a father. And they forget that, you know, there's so much more to it than just that. But I think that is a huge part of it. I'm surprised at how many clients I work with who come from, like, currently are in a family like that. I'm just like, it's 2023. How are we still adhering to these sort of archaic roles that just don't really match what our society is expecting of us now, I guess? Do you see any trends in some of the family dynamics that are typical in a family like that? How does it impact the potential for future issues as sons become fathers themselves? I think so. You know, of course, you get situations where you have dads who don't want to be like that. They want to be a part of their child's lives and they want to show them love and support and all of those wonderful things. But I do think, especially in this area, because, you know, in the area that I work in, we have obviously a, a lower income demographic. So they have to work, right? I mean, we can't we can't survive without that hard earned income. So I think there's also that like uh, survival part of it there that dads have to work and they're very consumed with that because they're trying to make as much money as they can to pay the bills and put food on the table. So I think that that plays a role in it. Is that a major stressor for fathers in your observation with your clients that they feel so so connected to providing that it causes other sorts of um, emotional mental stress you know i do think so sometimes i wonder if there hasn't been a good model in place to show what a father can and maybe should be doing sometimes they rely so much on well i provide i provide and it's like Right, but we can learn new skills to show other ways that, you know, we love and support our families. So I think that they focus a lot on the financial because they're not sure how else to do it. Gotcha. Yeah, that's that's interesting. So as you approach, um, whether it's the children or the parents, what are some of the strategies for helping um, both kids and adults with the absence of their father and nurturing a sense of emotional stability? Yeah, I think it comes down so much to just having that love and support and reminding them that, you know, it's nothing that they did um, or that they're doing, right? These are the circumstances, whatever that might be. Um, and just really trying to fill their cup in those ways and just being there for them. I think there's always going to be a longing or a questioning, right? Because our society is very much like, this is what a family looks like. And if we don't fit that mold, I think it's so natural to just constantly be like, well, wait a minute, like this isn't how it's supposed to be. And again, why isn't this person in my life or why don't they act like they love me or want to be around me? Those types of things. So I think it's like really hard to break that. But I, I tell a lot of my adult clients that like when your child gets older, they will eventually see everything that you've done to help them and to guide them and to fill that, you know, extra pair of shoes that aren't there. It just, I think, as we're developing in each stage that we go through in our life, we're reminded that this person isn't involved and that, and that just hurts. And that's natural part of that process. Is there an added layer when you have a kid that 
like maybe is um, in foster care or is in the process of being adopted, do 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 they experience like a like a more deep sense of, of I guess abandonment? You know, I think that it can get really tricky sometimes because depending on the situation, usually their hope is to you know have some reunification between the child and the parents. So a lot of times parents are attending visitation, but sometimes inconsistently, you know, like sometimes it's like they're there, but they're not there still. And I do think that sometimes that can be more damaging to the child's well-being because we just keep sort of putting them in these situations where like, maybe dad will come, maybe he won't, you know, and just a reminder of that. Um, so I do think that sometimes that can be a little bit um, re-traumatizing is kind of a, a strong word for it, I guess, but you know, just kind of putting salt in a wound. Um, and I, I do understand the purpose of it, but I think that, that can cause some more hurt than what we want. What might be some specific things that parents can do to provide support to kids who have this experience? Like specifically, what can like a single mom do to help um, help their kids feel, you know, whole, I guess? Yeah, that's so tough because, I, you know, obviously all of this is circumstantial. It just depends on the family and the child and the situation of why dad is in, involved or is not. Um, but again, I think it's just continuously reiterating to them how much they are loved and that they're just a kid and trying to let them be a kid. And I think it's more about the parent making sure that they're getting support so that way they can pour into their child as much as they can. You know, I think that having good co-parenting skills, if there is uh, maybe a father who's not in the home, you know, or that they're not together, but they're still trying to co-parent in some ways, even if it's inconsistent, really developing those co-parenting skills so that way we're not making the child feel worse about the situation by talking down or about the father, you know, in an unnecessary way or, you know, trying to cope with that the best that they can. So that way the child doesn't continue to see and feel that. So let me, let me, let me say it back to you. I, what I'm hearing you say is like to try to institute some level of positivity and stability regardless of whether or not they have a father around, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, in terms of the fathers themselves, how might society's expectations and stereotypes about fatherhood contribute to fathers becoming absent or unengaged? Right. I think that, like you, like you said earlier, you know, like this archaic idea of what a dad's role is, really trying hard to, to work against that. And I do think it's so tough because like for a mom, you are responsible for that child at the start of conception, right? From the day you're pregnant, it's like, okay, you can't eat this, you can't do that. You know, so it starts immediately for the mother. For the father, yes, they can, obviously they're still involved in that process, but they really don't have any responsibility or, you know, ownership until the child's born. But then even then it's like, well, you know, we have all these services for moms um, and I get that. But again, I don't see the services for dads. I don't see the support for dads. We put a lot of pressure on the moms to do all of these things, you know, as a society. And I don't think that we're recognizing the roles that dad, dads play in providing supportive services for them. So I would like to see more of that um, and trying to challenge the stereotype of fathers kind of doing, like I said, that, that role of just providing financially. And uh, there, there's so much more to it than that. So. 
um, I guess to your point, like how is there like a, a systemic approach that we could use to help uh, change that and add some services or, or anything like that? Yeah, well, I was looking into that because I, I really was unaware of what we have already. Um, and I did find that there are quite a few, I should say quite a few, because obviously, again, if you were to Google supportive services for moms, you'd find probably so many you wouldn't even know where to start. But um, I was looking into these different groups, these support groups for dads, where they have not just supportive people to talk to and, you know, get, get that emotional support from, but also all these resources where let's say it's a dad who wants custody of their kids, you know, that they could go to this organization and they can help them find a lawyer and help them understand uh, what that process looks like. Or if they needed any mental health services, like it would help, you know, connect them with those resources too. But yes, I was happy to see one of them was called Fraternity of Fathers. And that was looked like it was an organization through the University of Michigan, which was like a group of fathers trying to work on building connections with their children and stuff like that. So I was I was happy to hear some things. And I think our communities on a smaller level, just trying to provide, you know, I know at our schools, we do a daddy daughter dance or just I think having just special events where it can be fathers taking their kids to things or just like different groups to connect with them would be wonderful you mentioned daddy daughter dance and i'm i'm curious if there's a difference in the effect on kids uh boy versus girl in a household with an absent father do, do you see any difference there you know i think the the root of the issue is still the same but i was doing a little bit of digging on that too and just noticed like it sounded like typically boys would show more um behavioral problems than girls uh, when they're faced with these situations. And I think across the board, it sounded like they were be obviously more likely to have some mental health issues like depression and anxiety and maybe even substance use. Uh, but then I also talked about an in increase in risky behaviors, you know, whether that was substance use, smoking, you know, early pregnancy, things like that uh, were some of those risky kind of at-risk behaviors and then of course a higher risk of, of living in poverty as children and it looked like looking into adulthood that was kind of a hard one to gauge in a lot of these research studies like what that would look like as they got older but in a childhood development stage that would be some of those be more behavioral problems from your professional perspective what advice can you offer to parents or guardians in fostering a supportive environment for children dealing with the absence or lack of engagement from a father? I think that it comes down to building a good support system for, again, the, the parent and um, and the children involved, having, uh, whether it's grandparents or aunts and uncles, you know, cousins, things like that, like really trying to build up that support system for their children and having them involved in those types of relationships. And I think, again, trying not to, I don't want to say not talk bad about the person involved, but, you know, there's so many mixed emotions with this. Like we could be upset that our father isn't involved in our lives, but at the same time, don't you talk bad about him, <laughs> right? Like there's still, because I, I might still love him or that might hurt me to hear you say those things about him or it might make the situation feel worse when maybe all we need is to just continue to feel connected to the people who are involved in our lives. What do you think about groups like Big Brothers Big Sisters? Do they do they play a role in something like that? I mean, I would think so, right? I mean, I know I had some friends who were big sisters, you know, and 
um, how special these kids felt just having one-on-one -on -one time with somebody, getting to have somebody else to talk to about things and maybe getting advice or whatever that looked like, you know, of course, depending on the age. But I think that those are such a great service for helping kids who maybe come from a single parent household try to develop these relationships, you know, with somebody else and, um, and get that like social emotional development from that relationship as well. I wish I would have known about Big Brother Big Sister when I was a kid. I think I probably would have gotten something out of that if my if my mom would have um, known about it or had any kind of uh, information about it. When I started my career in Saginaw, I actually was a Big Brother for about five years, and it was really rewarding. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was really rewarding, and yes. and what you said is exactly the case. You know, um, you 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 build a relationship with the kid; they understand that they're you know, you're not a replacement for their father or anything like that, but it is sort of a, a community involvement of trying to um, provide some of that stability and somebody to go to. And it's really, it's an, it's an interesting and, and uh, a really great way to give back, particularly for somebody who, you know, probably could have used it when they were a kid. So. Right. Definitely. Yes. That's great. Yeah. So speaking of the kids, I mean, if, if you were to give them any sort of advice, what should they know if, if they don't have that positive male role model, like, um, what are, what is something they should focus on to kind of help them through? Reminding themselves of, of the wonderful supports that they do have in their life. Um, and using some, and of course, depending on the age, it takes time to develop some of these skills. But, you know, I think just continuing to learn how to love ourselves and accept ourselves and know that none of what's happening is our fault. There's nothing wrong with us. And um, you may or may not ever get to be able to understand why these things are happening. But uh, yeah, I think just having as much of a positive or realistic outlook on ourselves and the situation can be really helpful. And some of that could be done from, they can learn some of those skills from the other supportive people in their life, modeling some of that for them. Well, thank you so much, Chelsea. I really appreciate the time you've given me today. Is there anything else that you want to say or anything that you want people to know? I do just have to say that I'm I'm so happy that you're doing this. And again, I think having a podcast like this hopefully can help to develop some sort of supportive place for dads to go to get that. Because like I said, I I just don't think that there's enough you know support out there for dads. And I think too, like men in general, there's a lot of pressure on you to be masculine and not show emotions and not talk about your feelings and these types of things. And, and I know that's not the case for everybody, but that holds a lot of men back from asking for help or asking for support or expressing how they feel about being a dad and what that looks like. So I'm hoping that what you're creating here is a good space for dads to be able to listen in and maybe get some validation and get some support through listening to what you're doing. Yeah, I hope so too. I know it's it's helping me just to kind of go through the motions of researching and thinking about it. So I hope that effort helps someone out there listening who might have trouble, you know, starting the process of thinking about it anyway. So thank you so much. And um, if I come across any other issues that I can't wrap my head around that has to do with these difficult topics, maybe I'll call you back. Yes, definitely. So if anybody's listening to this and they want to get a hold of you for your day job, how do they do that? 
Um, yes. So I'm located in Harrison. Um, and you can either go to my email, which is kind of a lengthy one, but it's Roland Professional Counseling at Gmail, or you can call at 989-402-4072. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much and have a good weekend. I don't hear from you. Thank you. You too.